Good morning, church. Aren't you thankful that we're still online and you haven't come out into rain this morning? Winter has arrived in Tasmania, I think. You might be in your warm, toasty bed or at least in your pyjamas. Wow, well, thank you for tuning in today for our second week of our series, Barns, Talents, Camels and Needles. Last week, Wayne introduced us to the key idea, not mine, but his. And today, I'm going to talk to you about the art of getting. I'm going to tackle the question, is it okay to be wealthy? Is it okay to save, to be careful with how you spend your time and your resources? I'm going to take a closer look at the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 18. A rich farmer who has an abundant crop, but not enough room in his barns, Let's take a look at this clip. There was a time when Jesus was standing before a crowd and a man said, teacher, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. But Jesus said, who made me a judge over you? And then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this story. The farm of a rich man produced a good crop, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? My barns are too small, I have no place to store my crops. And it was such a good take that he couldn't fit all the food into his barns. It was bursting at the seams. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and then I'll build bigger ones, and there I'll store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you've plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you fool, this very night your life will be taken from you. And then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. So many who hear this parable may wonder, why is the rich farmer called a fool? One could easily argue that he is wise and responsible. He has a thriving farming business, and so building bigger barns means that he can have ample savings to enjoy his golden years. Isn't this what we're supposed to strive for, the mindset that we're supposed to have? To perfect the art of getting and saving so that We can set ourselves up nicely and enjoy the fruits of our labor, to have a grand house and a slick car and eat organic food and buy fair trade coffee, retire early and travel the world. Is there anything wrong with all of this? I believe that the rich farmer is a fool, not because he is wealthy or because he saves for the future, but because he appears to live only for himself and for his future. The first hint of a problem lies in the man's use of the first-person pronoun. In verse 17, he said to himself, what should I do? Throughout the following verses, he uses the word I six times and the word my five times. In a short conversation, he refers to himself every sixth word. Talk about self-absorption. He offers no word of thanks to God for this tremendous harvest. He gives 
No thought for a bonus for his workers or for a project for the community. Everything is I and my. And he talks with nobody but himself. The rich man has a mine, mine, mine complex. He doesn't come across as wicked or evil, but as selfish, greedy, preoccupied with himself to the exclusion of all others and of God. You see, this is an unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. We need not be wealthy to get caught in this unholy trinity. You see, the problem is not the man's wealth. It was his selfish hoarding, and a lack of riches doesn't render one immune to selfishness. Let's not just talk about a lack of finances here, but what about time? Everybody has the same amount of minutes every day. Yet, when there's a time of need, some people you can easily depend on. They will be there for you. But others, you can't count on them or you know that they'll require something in return. Let's take a closer look at the scene that led Jesus to share this parable. In verse 13, it says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Now, Jesus had been teaching people by the thousands about some pretty tough issues. He was warning against hypocrisy. He was assuring them that the Holy Spirit would be with them and give them the words when they faced opposition and when they were dragged before the authorities. In amongst all of this, this man interrupts with a request for help about his inheritance. In doing so, he reveals that he is concerned more about his personal problem than about these grander issues. Jesus responds, questioning the man about his need to involve Jesus, and says, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Jesus, who sees the heart, sees greed in this man's heart, and he takes the opportunity not just to address the man, but to address the crowd and to talk about the danger of greed, which is rampant when we are overcome by a selfish mindset. Our reality is that no matter how much we have, we are always aware of the things that we don't have. We are bombarded by marketing wizards whose job it is to convince us of the things that we need to complete our lives. And so we never quite feel like we have enough. Have you ever opened your wardrobe and thought, I've got nothing to wear? Or stood in the middle of your kitchen and thought, there's nothing to eat? Most of us are naturally inclined to focus on what we lack rather than on what we have. When we grapple with the mindset that nothing we have is enough, we start to look everywhere for what we believe we have not yet received. A great example of this is in Matthew 20. A landowner goes out in the morning and starts to hire workers throughout the day. At the end of the day, he pays each worker one denarius, one coin. Those that were hired last and only worked one hour were given the same as those that were hired first and worked the whole day. Now, those that were hired first, working the longest, complained, this isn't fair. But... 
if the workers who had have worked the entire day hadn't have paid attention to what the other men were being paid, everything would have been fine. You see, the landowner paid them exactly as he had promised, exactly as what was agreed upon when he hired them in the morning. Just because he was generous to the others doesn't mean that he was unfair to those that worked the whole day. Have you ever felt like this? Looking at what others are getting financially, but also in terms of gifts, talents, skills, knowledge, opportunities, and thought, it isn't fair. I'm being cheated. God, why didn't you give me that gift? Why didn't you give me that energy? Why did I not get that opportunity? I would have done quite well at it. When we are consumed by greed and a self mindset, we tend to focus on what others are getting. And we begin to lose sight of what we have gotten. As Wayne shared last week, everything we have has come from God. Remember Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. In Galatians 4, it says that God gave us full legal adoption as his children. And because we are his very own sons and daughters, we can access everything that our father has. We get everything. We don't have to earn it. We didn't deserve it. Yet God wants to bless us anyway. Like the parable of the landowner above, God chooses to bless abundantly those that came along at the first or those that came along last. It doesn't matter that we were late to the party. His grace and his abundance is there for everyone. Just like your children, just because one was first born and one was a few years later, doesn't mean you give them any less. Let's return to the rich farmer. The rich man's land had produced abundantly, yet he expresses no sense of gratitude to God, as if the abundant harvest was all of his own doing and completely in his control. What a fool. Jesus concludes the story of the rich fool in verse 21, saying, Yes, a person is a fool to store up wealth, earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So what does a rich relationship with God look like? Surely it begins with recognizing and being thankful for what God has given. Not only does the farmer forget to thank God, but he also shows no thought for the workers that helped him to plant and harvest this bumper crop. He mentions nothing of family or of friends or of even helping the poor. It seems that he is rich in money and poor in everything else. Let's be honest, between people there is vast differences with current opportunities, cash flow, skills, knowledge, and even available time. For instance, some people earn considerably more or considerably less than others. And maybe what I've said already and what I will say, it may feel offensive or inconsiderate to some people's situation. I certainly don't intend that. The art of getting may in reality seem like your art supplies are non-existent. You may be scoffing at the concept of selfishness because 
you've given up a meal a day to feed your children lunches this week, or you may be choosing between the essentials of living yet working harder than the average person. Please hear this. I believe when we all adopt God's economic mindset, when we live in community, especially as a body of believers, we are able to share the art of getting so that everyone is getting. Wayne alluded to last week, when you are getting more, it is the opportunity to be a channel of blessing to those who are getting less. Some may have more finances, but others more time. Some may have more knowledge, but others more energy. Romans 12 says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of the one body, and we all belong to each other. When we adopt the mindset of not mine, but his, we start to recognize that we have a part to play in God's economy. It isn't all about me and the art of me getting, but it becomes the art of us getting. In this way, if you don't have the color blue to paint that gorgeous summer sky that we're all dreaming of right now, then God's design is that your neighbor will and will eagerly and willingly share with you. After the parable of the rich fool, Jesus continues speaking to his disciples, telling them not to worry about everyday life. <laughs> he says, but your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. He finishes in verse 33 with, sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. Whether your current art of getting is through the use of the skills, knowledge and opportunities that God has given you directly or by God's provision through others, the main point is that you are not selfish and self-seeking in your mindset, but that you are grateful to God and to others and continue to belong to each other so that the next art project, you might be the one with the blue paint that you can share with others so that they don't have to worry. Let me hone in on this just a little bit further with our rich fool. After the farmer has decided to build bigger and bigger barns to store his wealth for years to come, Jesus says, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Remember Wayne referred to saving an inheritance for our children's children? The rich farmer mentioned nothing of family or children or even of community. People who selfishly store up for their own future and their own enjoyment maintain tight controls and erect strong barriers that prevent people from gaining access. The rich farmer appeared to have no one to pass his wealth to and no one to share it with. It says in Matthew 6:19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. I believe God wants us to shift our mindset to where the art isn't focused so much on how much we are getting and saving, but that he is concerned with our heart and what we do with what we're getting. 
Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Honestly, though, it's hard to do anything when you're living in debt and when you're living paycheck to paycheck. The art of getting may not look much like work of art at all. It may look like a blank canvas to you. In fact, it may look like the paints are going on and then washing straight off. Let me talk practically. It is true, many people spend as soon as they get, or even before they get, the age of credit. What a wonderful thing, really. It never makes it into the barn, and then when winter comes, there is not enough supply for the family, let alone the workers or the neighbours. This is true of time also. How often do we search weeks in advance to put in a catch-up with a friend that we haven't seen for ages? Good wisdom of stewardship, money, time, energy points to living life with a buffer. Think of Joseph, who had placed in a position to save up grain on behalf of Egypt so that there would be enough for the upcoming famine. This meant that that Egypt was able to be a channel of blessing to the nations around them when the famine hit. I'm not talking about the kind of selfish buffer that our rich fool had, but every farmer has a barn, and barns are not designed to be empty. If you are knocking your perfectly good barn down to build a bigger one simply to store more than you need or more than what God has called you to, then you are encroaching on that selfish and greed mindset. And saving for the sake of saving is useless too. You do that for too long and you will just be building bigger and bigger barns. Joseph in Egypt had a God-given purpose for storing and saving. Intentional living is something that has caught on and grown in the last few years and managing your money, time and energy can be looked at in much the same way. Intentional is defined simply as being done on purpose. In other words, when you do something intentionally, you mean to do it. Now, we've all gone to the grocery store with our list in hand and walked past the chocolates and the chips and decided even though we didn't plan it, we put it in and it adds up. That's the opposite of intention. You see, being intentional is all about making the decisions and sticking to them. There are standard ways that you can manage your money with intention, such as tracking your spending, you know, budgeting your money, but there are two things that I believe will really give you a head start and make it easier to be intentional with your money, your time and your energy. This is know your values and know your goals. In fact, it'll be easier to maintain your budget if you're spending based on your values and you're saving towards your goals. And it may go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway just to be clear. Aligning your values and goals with God's values and goals, his purpose for your life, rather than about selfish goals and values, is about leads storing up your treasure in heaven. Values will be different for everyone. I mentioned earlier about comparison and greed. And likewise, this is also an area where there is no room for comparison. God created us all unique and different. 
And aligning our values to God values will still look different from person to person and family to family. While there are hundreds of values that are all good and all worthwhile, you can't be intentional about them all. You are one part of the whole body. And so as one person, you can't prioritize every value. But when you figure out what you value and consciously stop spending money on the things you don't value, then you have that extra money to spend on what you do value. Let me say that again, but with time. When you figure out what you value and consciously stop spending time on the things you don't value, you will have that extra time to spend on what you do value. As a family, we value being welcoming. This often means that we choose to invite people over for dinner rather than eating out so that we can be a little bit more extravagant with our hospitality and spend, instead of spending our entire budget on main course just for ourselves. As a family, we also value being inclusive. This means finding ways to connect to people and to connect people to people. I like to find creative ways such as clothes swaps nights to bring a cross-section of people together and save money in that common purpose, but also update our wardrobe. And all whilst building relationship. You know, I also value healthy living. This means that I'm intentional about my food, exercise, and lifestyle choices. It means I consume more vegetables and fresh produce than um, sugar and bread and the, the cheaper things like pasta. I belong to a gym which helps my motivation, and I prefer to use natural cleaning products and essential oils. Because of those values, it's where I choose to spend my money. No matter what your values are, be confident in them. They are a part of who you are, who God has created you to be, and a part of the passions that he's placed on your heart. They should be reflected in what you do with your money. And also with your time and your energy. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So knowing your val values takes care of the present. Knowing your goals will take care of the future. Without a goal, there is no aim or end point. And a goal gives insight to measure whether what you're doing is getting you closer or further away from your goal. And your goals, they should align with your values. If you haven't got any goals, then I encourage you to start thinking about what you want to improve in your life, and most importantly, where God is leading you. Usually what you determine your one, five, or ten-year goals to be will inform what you do on a daily, weekly, and monthly scale. So five years ago, my family was beginning to outgrow our family home, not simply in plans for another child, Raven, but in long-term goals of starting a private business from home, of living true to our values of welcoming and inclusive hospitality, and this included regular overnight visitors as well as short or longer-stay visitors or boarders. There are certain characteristics or inclusions that are important to us in a home that we wanted to improve, and so our goal was to get that house paid off as quickly as we could so that we had equity to be able to move into a more suitable home that met our values and our goals. So things we did, and still do, uh, daily we don't regularly buy takeaway drinks, and we pack our lunches when we go out. 
Weekly, we don't have regular Friday night takeaways, for example. And our grocery shop is mainly reduced to non-special items, so much so that my six-year-old son knows the special stickers in the supermarket and points them out for us. We also create low-cost date nights, like a road trip one night to Evandale to have a picnic in the middle of the cricket field. Now, side note, I am not saying that takeaway coffees, bought lunches and eating out is wrong or bad. I am not saying that you all need to take your partners on cheap dates and avoid the movies and other experiences. I am saying that for Ben and I, our God-inspired values and goals have led us to make these decisions, to intentionally choose these areas to sacrifice or minimise in. But as I said before, your God-inspired values and goals are going to differ. So a takeaway coffee, supporting your local business and building relationship with the barista may be exactly on track for you. So back to our monthly scale, because I know you're all interested. Any purchases of household items are frequently researched, or we find the cheaper or second-hand alternative if the quality or purpose allows. Or just not bought at all, do we really need that? Or can we find it for free or do it ourselves, such as our family haircuts? I'm not saying that we have it all down pat. We are still growing, we're still evaluating, but we are continually moving forward to manage what we get intentionally and with kingdom purpose. I have had to grapple with the financial decisions that we are making as a family, and whilst I trust Ben's leadership in this area, sometimes I feel left out when I don't have a takeaway cup in my hand or I get a little bit jealous of other people's hair and nails. And sometimes I do feel awkward when I invite people back to our house for lunch instead of eating out because it's cheaper. Now, even though it aligns with my values and goals, the societal judgment, whether real or perceived, can be hard. And honestly, I have been ridiculed by people who have thought that I was cheap for not spending money where they thought that I could have or should have. And I have felt the need to justify the decisions that my family are making. But what I've learned is that it isn't about justifying anything to anyone. It is about being aligned to the values and gods, the values and goals, the plans and purpose that God has for our lives and being responsible with the resources, the time and the energy that he has given us. It is about having a rich relationship with God above a rich relationship with wealth, status, selfishness and greed. A part of having discernment with our finances and mastering the art of getting is understanding our needs versus our wants and ultimately letting God be in control. After all, it is not mine, but his. We need to control our selfish lust, longing and desires for what we don't have, don't need, cannot obtain or cannot afford. Our strength and hope and true riches are found in Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, as Hebrews 12 says. The rich fool is a parable for our time, where the selfish mindset influences many of us 
to be obsessed with the idea of accumulating more and more, as if the value of our life depends on how much we get. You might not be the greedy person who is ready to trample over others to get more, but we all need to ask ourselves, to what extent do I place my security and my status in getting and having more? To what extent do I have the illusion that I need to store up my riches in bigger and bigger barns so that I can retire early, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry? It isn't wealth or saving that is evil. In fact, there are many kingdom benefits to perfecting the art of getting and saving. It is the love of money and the selfishness and greed that Jesus warns us against that leads to separating us from God and from others. Like in the parable of the rich fool, the farmer has more grain in storage than he could ever hope to use, yet seems to have no thought of sharing it and no thought of what God might require of him. He is blind to the fact that his life is not his own to secure and that God can demand it back at any time. Today is a great day, church, to begin going through our entire lives with our God-shaped values and goals in mind, being grateful for what God has given, appreciating the art that is already around us and within us and not comparing ourselves to others and guarding against greed? Are we perfecting the art of getting so that we can save it for ourselves and our own security? Or do we want to use it towards God's mission to bless others and redeem the world? We do have a part to play in developing the art of getting, but for what purpose? What is your mindset? Do you have an unholy trinity of me, myself, and I, where the focus is on mine, mine, mine? Or do you want to play a part in God's economy? God provides the canvas for our lives, and he blesses us with the paints. And because of the channel of blessing that others can be in our life and we can be in others' life, we all can create an amazing masterpiece. What we do with what we get determines the true art. You see, when we know that everything comes from God and that he wants to give us everything as heirs to his kingdom, we can view the art of getting with a kingdom mindset, not mine, but his, storing up our treasures in heaven. Let me pray to finish. Father, each person's canvas looks so very different to the next, but that is the beauty of art. Father, help us to move away from an unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Instead of looking inwardly, help us to look upwardly and outwardly. Help us to intentionally choose to live by values and goals which focus on your economy rather than a selfish economy. Be with us this week as we go forth and, and look at the canvas of our life.